0: This is Jake, welcome to the Urban Renewal, Uh, I'm Jake, I am from Pennsylvania, Uh, avid Buckeye fan, been following the Buckeyes my whole life, and with me here is John. What's up Buckeye Nation, I'm John, I'm
1: uh, from the Cleveland area, born and raised, just excited
0: to get the season underway. So... Figured we'd get us started. Um, I mean, the offense is the focal part of the team so far this year, especially after how horrendous they were last year. So I feel like it's probably a good way to start. Um, I mean, John, in your opinion,
1: what is the biggest need to improve? biggest need to improve is passing game. I mean, you, you can't win games, big games, with the dink and dunk offense that was being run last year. You need to pound the ball with Mike Weber, and you need to get, let JT unleash and go downfield. That way, defense has something to uh, look for. Unless they're right now, they're just zeroing in on bringing everyone into the box, stopping the run, stopping the dink and dunk. That's not going to work. That's not going to win us a national championship.
0: No, and I don't think you can put the full blame on JT Barrett from last year. I mean, granted, you know, there were some moments where you're looking at it and go, JT, what the hell are you doing? Like, why would you make that play?
1: I agree. I mean, but it's, I think it was the offensive coordinators. It just set, I think it was JT was set up to fail more than JT not knowing
0: what's going on. And I, I fully agree with that because, you know, if you kind of look at how the offense was under Tom Herman, Compared to how the offense was under Ed Warner and uh, Tim Beck, it's two different styles of play. Um, you know, they were moving the ball slower. Tom Herman was all about you know fast pace, up tempo. You know that kind of Oregon style offense.
1: Exactly, but, and that's how you win in today's college football. It's no longer the let's be slow and methodical. It's come on, as many plays as you can run and score as many points as you can. That's today's college football. And the thing is with this team is, you know, the way open recruits is there are playmakers all
0: over the field. And the, the theory of that is the more plays you run, the more
1: times that you get into those playmakers' hands. Exactly. I, it's hard to utilize a weapon like last year, like Curtis Samuel. Like, look at the Penn State game last year. I know you and I were talking about it earlier in the week. It, the kid doesn't get the touch till, what, almost halfway through the second quarter is when his first touch is? And then his, like, first touch of the third quarter
0: goes 70-some yards to the end zone.
1: Exactly. So why are you giving that kid, what, four touches in the first three quarters before you're like, oh, hey, we actually have our weapon here? Exactly. And I a mean, whole the same thing with Zeke, too, if you think about it. You had a weapon like that, and they weren't utilizing it. And uh, I completely agree
0: with you. You know, especially Curtis Samuel. Obviously, everybody knew on the other team that Curtis Samuel was the best playmaker on the team. You know, the guy went for exactly. like eight hundred yards receiving, eight hundred yards rushing. So it was kind of like a freaking nature of that fact because if he touched the ball, there was always a chance he was going to score. The problem is, it, if he, he doesn't touch the ball, he can't score.
1: Exactly. It, it's it's hard to score when your playmakers don't get the ball. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, I mean, we
0: can sit here and rant and about J.T. Barrett all day long and talk about what he needs to do to improve, but
1: there's a lot more to his
0: offense than just J.T. Barrett this year.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's the play calling needs to improve immensely, and I think we're going to get that. the offense we had with Tom Herman. It's going to be back. If you look at Kevin Wilson, we may lose our offensive coordinator after a year or two if we're playing like Tom Herman's team was. I mean, just another team's going to want that type of offense.
0: Oh, I have no doubt in my mind. Kevin Wilson, within two years, will probably be on another team. And that's that's just what happens. I mean, they already kind of said Greg Shiano is pretty much gone after this season.
1: Exactly. it's not something. But as long as we're grooming someone to take their place, it's going to be fine. We just can't be going from a Tom Herman offense to the slow, fast pace to the slow. It it just can't happen.
0: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know, the one area where we definitely need to see improvement this year is the wide receivers. Okay, and so I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll agree with me because, for instance, we look back at the last season, in Oklahoma. Noah Brown has the game of a lifetime.
1: Them where there's no brown the rest of the year. It, it beats me. I, did he even see the field? Yeah, I mean, I
0: think he. I, I have to look it up exactly how many touchdowns he had. But he remember he had four touchdowns
1: in the Oklahoma game alone. Exactly, and people were saying if he keeps us up, he could win the Heisman Trophy. Exactly. Yeah, when you having that kind of year, it almost was like, where did this kid go? Did, was he suspended? What?
0: Exactly. You know, when you have that kind of game, now obviously some people are going to, you know, try to key in on you and make sure that, you know, they cover you well. But, for instance, he had four touchdowns in that game, and then the rest of the season he had a combined three.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's hard to win like that. you don't have a go-to guy
0: that Michael Thomas kind of plays. Exactly. It's hard
1: to have. Michael Thomas was almost like a gift. A big, strong receiver, Paul can go up, get the ball. Then, to pair with him, you had Devin Smith. I mean, you had two vertical threats that were always waiting to take the top off the defense. Last year, you had none of that. It's almost like they had a limited route tree.
0: And when you look at that team as well, you know, you had other guys on there, you had Jalen Marshall, you had Evan Spencer, you had other guys that were versatile in different ways. Evan Spencer, they said, was one of the best blocking wide receivers that we've ever had. And you don't see his impact because it's a lot of blocking, it's a lot of downfield blocking, blocking for Zeke, blocking for JT, blocking for anybody else running the ball. And Jalen Marshall, you know, he was that versatile H-back, that... The ball out of the backfield. You know, if you got him in his hands, he can make a move and get get those extra yards. And like, Curtis Samuel was the playmaker last year. But you look at other guys on the team. You know, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell had an okay year. You no know, down has one game. But other than those couple guys, like their receivers, did not exist. No, they really didn't. Look at the uh, final game versus Clemson.
1: Our receivers didn't do anything. They literally were just decoys at that point. You couldn't send them downfield, and Clemson keyed in on it. And just went after the front. Exactly, I
0: and mean, you know that the receivers aren't getting any separation. It's hard to have anything open up. Exactly. Yeah. No. So there's a couple of guys that you're looking at
1: this year to have a breakout year in the receivers. And I think Benjamin Victor. Could have a huge year, and I look for Mario McCall to kind of take that uh, Curtis Samuel role and run with it. Just the, that back type we were talking earlier, how he's not as big, so you don't want to get him between the tackles as much as you had Samuel, but he can still kick it outside. He has that extra gear to pull away. He's faster than Samuel. That's definitely one thing. I, I believe that he is
0: faster than Samuel because, however, when you're in the playing time, just his straight-line speed, Samuel's a little bigger, so you know, he could take a hit. Um, I'm not sure if McCall, you know, if he gets kind of nudged, if he can really keep it
1: up. But I, I don't think, like last year, if someone put a nice crack on Samuel, he could run through it. I'm not sure if McCall could do that. You know, but
0: this is his second year, you know, fully with, you know, Mickey Mariota. so maybe he has put on some of that muscle. You know, one I'm looking at is K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill, because he, he was injured for a couple games, so he really didn't get it, but, you know, he still finished, you know, with um, 262 yards and a touchdown. So I'm thinking K.J. Hill could be getting a lot of catches this year. I, I mean, I think he's someone to look out for because, he came in pretty highly recruited. Uh, I think, you know, we're at the point, this is his third year on the team, it's kind of at the point where it's like, all right, are you going to do something now?
1: Yep. I mean, also along that point, I with Irvin Meyer, we've seen, it's been next man up. It's a cliche saying, but it's true. Next man up for just the positions. I mean, some of these guys have been here a while, and they haven't done anything. They need to prove themselves, or at least freshmen, that they may try to redshirt. are going to end up redshirting. They're going to end up playing big minutes if our wide receivers don't
0: show they can do anything. And you look at last year, you know, for instance, Corey Smith. At one point, Corey Smith was a regular in-rotation receiver. I'm looking at the stats right now. Corey Smith finished with six catches for 34 yards. Exactly. I, yeah. How's that work? It doesn't. He had a catch in the national championship game that he, he fumbled. He did fumble the ball. It was not a big catch, and he had held onto it. It would have been a big play, but he ended up fumbling it. But he, you know, he was a fifth-year senior, and he only had six catches. You know, Terry, that- Terry McLaurin had 11 catches. Paris Campbell 13. You know, Dontre Wilson kind of was getting passed over, but he still finished third on the team in receiving because I remember when Dontre Wilson came in, they thought he was, you know,
1: just a boy. Dude. Oh, I remember the hype we had. He was, he was supposed to be the next great thing at Ohio State. He, he was supposed to be the H-back everything. He was supposed to be that Percy
0: Harvin, and then he just he got injured and just never panned out. Got suspended, injured, just never panned out. So, well, there's a couple of the see I'm looking at, but you could... Easily, easily make case that all right, it's time to step up. Austin Mack—it's another—it's another one. You know, he played a little bit last year. He played a lot more on kickoff coverage and punt coverage. But another really high recruit. He came in, and I, if I remember right, like, he lost his black stripe in spring of his freshman year. He lost it in spring ball. He didn't even wait till the fall. He lost it in the spring ball, and he was—are uh, you like all right? Here's the hype, and then we just never saw him.
1: Nope. Which is kind of concerning considering how our wide receivers performed last year. And saying, man, he couldn't really start with that there. Not only that's could he start, good. he couldn't get on the I field. I mean, that's a little concerning.
0: If you ask me. And you know, we've seen time and time again, Urban Lyon is not afraid to play freshman. No. He's not, he's, not at all. He has said he
1: doesn't recruit you to come here in redshirt. He recruits you to come here and play. I mean, that's, you're not going to win national championships by just bringing people in. Not If he thinks you're the best on the field, you're
0: going to play. Plain and simple. So, it's uh, kind of a year where, I mean, if Austin Mac for instance, he doesn't do anything, you know, are going to his junior year without too much going on. And, exactly. and that, you know, there's these guys coming in. You know, we have three you know, receivers coming this year. You know, one is extremely highly touted. He's just coming off a knee injury. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, so there's three freshmen, Elijah Garner, Jalen Harris, and Trevon Grimes. You know, what are your thoughts on uh,
1: those guys? I mean, from everything I've seen and heard about Grimes is halfway true. The kid's going to be an absolute stud. Oh, I yeah. agree. It sucks that, uh, Lindsay... <laughs> Ijon or whatever, he decided not to come, and he went to Nebraska. But from everything I've heard about Grimes, it's uh, been awesome. Isn't that Harris Kip, the kid from uh, Cleveland Heights? Yes, he is. He's like five. Yeah, he's tall. He's a Isn't pretty tall dude. dude. We haven't had in this offense since Mike Thomas. He's a big, fat, wide receiver. I mean, that's one of the best ways to cheat a little bit, as I like to say, you get to have a big, strong guy running down the field, and if you quarterback's not that accurate, you can go up and get it because of his height. You can throw a jump ball to him.
0: That's something we didn't have last year. You think back to that Sugar Bowl where Evan Spencer threw the pass to Michael Thomas. You know, we haven't had a guy that can make that kind of play. Now Miller Brown made some acrobatic catches against Oklahoma, but. You know, he, he wasn't consistent. We need somebody that can consistently do that kind of thing.
1: Exactly.
0: And, um, you know, Jalen Harris will be a good one now. I'm not sure who will actually play, like, meaningful minutes, not on special teams out of those guys. I mean, Elijah Gunn was a three-star. And they, I remember that we, he had a lot of – you know, a lot of potential, but he has a lot of room to work on. So, I doubt we'll see him too much on the field. Jalen Harris – they were talking about him in a press conference and he was getting rave reviews. So the problem is I don't know if there's enough room on the field. If they're saying that this wide receiver query is improved, I don't know if there's enough room on the field for him to get out there. And Javon Grimes, I know that he's come back from that knee injury. They said he was still in non contact. So but I still think
1: we see him on the field at some point later uh, this they, year. Knowing Ohio State, they may rate redshirt him with medical redshirt. Just play it safe with him, because you don't want to play him too soon and risk losing him to injury for the next few years. If it were me, I'd probably, I'd just add redshirt for this year. Let him feel fully and go from there. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um,
0: I think that's one thing you really have to consider, especially with a guy who had an ACL injury. You know, we're not talking about somebody who, you know, even feels like a sprain. You no, know, it was a clean tear of an ACL, and for, you know Remember, you're 18 years old, so it's not like we're talking about. You know, when Adrian Peterson came back in seven months. You know, Adrian exactly. Peterson was on an NFL workout exactly. schedule. Exactly.
1: It's and he's also a full grown man. Yeah, this true. is still a kid we're talking about that trying to grow into his body. So I mean, it. I would register him for a year. I think that's something they're definitely going to consider because we mentioned all those names and there's
0: there is a lot of wide receivers on this team. And as long as somebody steps up, you know, I have a couple guys step up, we wouldn't necessarily need grinds right now. So yeah. I think at minimum they're gonna take it slow. If they really think he can be like contribute to the team, I still wouldn't expect to see him until
1: you know closer to Big Ten schedules time. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good timetable. But yeah. you still, remember you still got to get him in practice and acclimated to the college game. Exactly. So it, that that's why I said venturing him may be the best option. That way he can get acclimated to college life, college setting, what it's like to practice at this high of a level. That that is
0: something to really consider. Um, So, let's move on a little bit. You know, somebody I really, really like reading about, really like talking about, uh, is J.K.
1: Dobbins. I believe he is going to be an absolute stud with this team. And from everything I've heard is... Uh, Mike Weber may be in trouble losing some carries if uh, he still can't practice. From what I've read on Twitter and social media is the kid is Dobbins is really turning some heads. And if I were Weber, I, uh, I'd i be worried I may be losing carries here shortly. So the one reason
0: I think Weber might lose some carries is you know, he's not practicing because of that hamstring injury. But they're not really talking too much about it. I keep saying it's a non-issue. But the one thing about hamstring injuries is they tend to linger a little bit. That yeah. they aren't just something that's just, you know, like a, for instance, like a broken bone. When a broken bone is healed, it's healed. A hamstring injury seems to linger a little bit. So I would not be surprised if, you know, if, ever, you know, he, if he's supposed to average 20 carries a game, it's down to 15 and Dobbins is getting 10. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, Dobbins was the he, first one to lose his black stripe. He lost it, uh, what, yesterday, a couple days ago. Yep. But he's been taking reps with the first team. So he's getting that experience, you know, being with JT Barrett, the first team offensive line, you know, blocking for JT Barrett, which is valuable experience.
1: Exactly. I mean, the more you know of the offense, the faster it goes. It's not like you're throwing some kid that's never done this in there. He's learning the offense. And I think that could become a nice little two-headed back, backfield. Yeah,
0: originally I thought that Dobbins was going to be somebody who, you know, was a nice compliment, you know, but if you remember um, Curtis Samuel's freshman year the year, Ohio still won national championship, Samuel had some meaningful carries, but you know, it would range anywhere from, like, two or three Ks to, like, six or seven or eight Ks in a game, and sometimes it, he'd get a lot and other times he wouldn't, and I, I, I originally thought that's kind of how Dobbins would be, but after hearing this, I think it's going to be more of, like, a two-headed back that it's going to be a, you know, a lightning and
1: thunder kind of combination. And I think it may be beneficial, like you were saying, with the hamstring, you never know when that thing can flare back up. It's one of those injuries that can linger for a full year if you don't take precaution. I mean, I know sometimes guys just cramp up, and other times it's more serious than just a non-issue. It's a non-issue now, but if you pulled it again two weeks into the year, and he's out for three weeks, then it becomes an issue. And also he his running depth chart. There isn't really one. It's Webber,
0: Dobbins, and then Antonio Williams. And uh, if you really want to make DeMario McCall a running back, if we need to, that's like a emergency situation. But there's only four guys that really can be a running back on the team and three that are really only running backs. So if you lose one, you're sitting there with two. And that's not a lot of depth. Scary situation. That's not a lot of depth because you know, running backs they take a lot of they take a lot of punishment, take a lot of force. You need more than one running back. Because you know, last year when we weren't giving the ball to Weber we were giving the to send. We weren't giving you to Sam we the to, we to, we to Weber. That is our true running back system. So, especially if they're trying to run this up tempo offense, we're gonna need other fresh legs in that. So I think to start off the year, you know, you're definitely gonna see Dobbins earn his carries. You know, especially yeah. big games, you you look at schedule, we're not playing cakes, you know, cupcakes the first two games of the year.
1: This isn't like the normal year where it's, oh, cool, we're playing huh. Norfolk State first week, and then Penn State second week, and then, hey, we'll really quote-unquote test ourselves with Cincinnati week three, and then start off our season. It's, we're playing big games right off the bat. We're playing on the road at night at Indiana. Now, granted, we should beat Indiana
0: pretty handily, but it's not a situation where you know by halftime you're going to be seeing Joe Burrow in there. Or Haskins. Yeah, you're not going to be seeing, you know, the back of offensive line in there in the second half. You know, if we get up big enough, I wouldn't be surprised if the quarter of that starts happening, but Indiana's played us tough the last couple of years where you can expect a dogfight from them.
1: And you're going into their territory, their house. This team section is going to be jacked up. It's the first game of the year. I mean, that' a dangerous game for if we come out of the gate slow and sluggish like we have the last few years. And that's a situation right, where we, we just need years, to... last few years has been we start games off extremely slow for whatever reason. You cannot do that. This time around. You have to be on your pay game. Start off. And that's why we need to
0: have these two running backs and why it's good that Dobbins is getting carried. Because we know Redwood knows the offense at this point. And it's his third year with the team. So it's not like he's going in here not knowing what the playbook looks like or not having any chemistry with JT I mean, he was just He's still the starting running back. Like, he'll be the starting running back unless he loses it. And you won't lose it due to injury, to a true freshman. Exactly. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that overtakes him during the year because
1: of straight talent and production. But as of right now, my brother's still the starting lineback. That, I see Weber holding on to it the whole time because I think they want that pounding, come straight north and south back like Weber is. And then I think they like that second back to be more of a Dobbin's. Oh, I agree. Shifty. I agree.
0: I would think. I just think it would take a lot for Dobbin's to get over Weber because Weber is a thousand yard back last year. Yeah. So you need to That's do a lot. You need to do a lot, and that was with him having a hundred less carries than what Zeke had the year before. Yep. And um, if Weber was healthy, I think you would see him get a lot of carries this year because it would be another. He would have that year of experience
1: and they viewed him similarly like a colors hide kind of back. Yep. But Yeah, I mean, someone like just ground and pound. Exactly. So, let's move on a little bit. Let's move on to the offensive line. The
0: offensive line is pretty much set, you know, from left to right. You got Jamarco Jones, Michael Jordan, Billy Price, the right goal we're not sure of, and then Isaiah Prince is sliding at the right tackle. You know, there's some of Isaiah Prince is doing a lot better than what he's done in past. And that's definitely positive to hear after how he played towards the end of last season.
1: I mean, if you look at how he started the year last year, it was, wow, this kid, wow, he's, he's going to be a stud. Then for whatever reason, he tailed off at the end of the year and he was getting beat, beat like a drum on a few plays there. So, hopefully he's able to turn around and have the first half of the year that he had did last year where he was someone you could rely on to not let someone get to the quarterback.
0: And that's a key
1: part of the Ohio State offense
0: is the offensive line. Because when you look at some of our better offensive lines, if you look at that 2014 offensive line, they were monsters. They were absolute beasts in the trenches. Like, a, I mean, Z didn't go for 200 yards in three straight games on accident.
1: No. I mean, he was one hell of a running back and one special player, but... But also that's when you have a hole the size of the Grand
0: Canyon to get yeah. And then just make your own way through that. Exactly. So, does right guard... Um, that is interesting because it's really the only other than receiver. Receivers, like most of them, are going to play. It's just a matter of who's going to be the starter. This is the only real like position battle going on. And the way Overmeyer talks is that anybody who is listed as a lineman is essentially up for grabs for it. So I'll be interested to see who gets it.
1: I mean, that's the best way to go about it. Put everyone on alert. You want to play? You feel like you should be able to play? Go. Go to right guard. See if you can do it. Yeah, he's throwing guys that are tackles out there. Next level. If the NFL scouts can see, hey, he plays left tackle and right guard, that's more—that's money in your pocket, so to say. They'll see you can do both positions. Exactly, exactly. And one thing that's also showing to me is that
0: nobody is really pulling away in this battle. I don't know if that's
1: just the competition's being raised or the fact that there just isn't somebody there to take it. I mean, that's extreme. In my eyes, that's extremely scary. Like you said, it could be a good thing, they could be battling, and it's a really good battle. But the other side of things is this may not be going as well as anyone thought. They may have an issue. An issue, I mean... All is going to be determined soon. we got a game in 24 days, so it better be uh, settled soon. I
0: agree. I agree. Um, So let's move on to a little bit of news. Um, Ed Meyer announced that a defensive tackle, Michael Hill, was suspended. Now, Michael Hill, redshirt senior, um, started a fair amount of games last year. I don't see this as a much as much of a death issue, more of just of a issue for him and the fact. In my opinion, that's how long the suspension was, just that he was suspended for an undetermined amount of time. I think death wise, we're fine. It's the defensive line. It's the deepest unit on the team. Exactly. You know, that's that's a plug and play situation where you look at guys that you have. You know, the Robert Landers who goes from the backup to the starter, and. Yeah. I don't see too much of a depth I issue had, there.
1: I had an idea today. Maybe Tyquan Lewis or Sam Hubbard get kicked inside. They're not, I know they're not big enough, but maybe this is an opportunity to try and see if Chase Young can see the field too.
0: See, I think on that situation, you can see them kick in, but that's when they do the rush package. You know, they're third and long, and you know they're throwing the ball, and... We throw Nick Bosa out there with Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard, and Jalen Holmes and say, get him, like we did against Wisconsin on that last play. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chase Young in those situations if he goes inside or if somebody else moves inside. Um, Because, I mean, there's a lot of hype around Chase Young. I fully believe to see Chase Young in the game. I think he'll play meaningful minutes. I don't think he'll be there on the scrub notes. I think you'll see a five-man rotation
1: at defensive end. Um, And I, until you mentioned it, I forgot we had Nick Bosa. I mean, that just makes you absolutely giddy to think you have Lewis, Hubbard, Bosa, now Young. I mean, that, you can have a nice rotation and not give the offense a break. Because sometimes when your backup comes in, tackle can kind of be like, okay, I have a break. But now you have a four-headed monster coming right at you at every play. Five-headed. Don't forget about Jalen Holmes. True. I forgot about him. Jalen Holmes, they, they, he's
0: never started a game that they consider him a starter because he's included in that you know rushing package. When they go third and long, he backs up Tyquan Lewis and
1: he just goes balls to the wall and just goes straight after him. Exactly. That's why I don't think this suspension is as bad as some people want to believe it. Some people want to say, oh my god, this is the end of the world, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, of course. Michael Hill's a nice player, but he isn't a Bosa or a Dolphus Washington It's or a Jonathan Hankins. He's a nice player, not a great player. I don't expect his absence to really be that big of a detriment to our depth.
0: I think that's a good way to look at it, because I'm looking at Michael Hill's stats last year. He, he only had 21 tackles, three tackles for a loss. And compare that to a couple other people. Um, Devon Hamilton, who only really played, he had 10 tackles. who was a defensive tackle as well. You, know, you can plug and play him right there. Uh, Robert Landers had 16, but Robert Landers also had 16 tackles and
1: 7.5 for a loss. So, I mean, that's efficiency right there. Exactly. I know Hill's the big run clogging, clog-up middle guy, but, I mean, you can do that elsewhere, too, with other guys.
0: The one guy you keep forgetting about who can easily fill in, because Draymond Jones... Had 52 tackles last year as a defensive tackle. We already mentioned him as a potential first or second round pick. We lost Tracy Sprinkle in the first game of the year last year. And he's back from his ACL injury. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. So you look at, you could put Jamal Jones and Tracy Sprinkle right there as a starters, and it's like we didn't lose anything. We probably honestly upgrade from Michael Hill.
1: Exactly. And what's kind of funny is I was reading an article this week where an NFL scout said Ohio State could lose another 12 players this year to the draft. Oh, I saw that one too. In, in my mind, that one hurt us in the least. We, we have depth upon depth. Except for running back. We need to get stronger there and wide receiver. I'm a little worried about our secondary, but if our linemen linebackers can get to the quarterback, you don't have to worry about it that much. I agree. I agree. Um, moving
0: on now, the coaches poll came out this week, so I'm sure you took a look at that as well. Um, oh, yeah.
1: Ohio State debuted at number two. I want to get your thoughts on that. Honestly, I think that's a little high. Considering all of the stuff we're replacing, and to not know exactly what we're going to get, I honestly think is a little high. I was thinking maybe top five for sure, but number two I think is a little high.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to see us at two. Um, I mean, I knew we be top five because we returned JT, then you know, we returned the, the front seven. We turned Mike Weber, we returned most of the offensive line. Um, but the wide receivers are still a big mystery the secondary, we lost almost everybody. We lost three first-round talents in the secondary. So, I kind of thought the the poll would show us um, the behind Florida State, like, obviously Alabama. Um, I thought USC might be in front of us, and that's kind of who I thought would be in front of us. So, so, at
1: least by the season two. Absolutely, because with the hype train that Sam Darnold's on right now, I mean, they're talking about him going number one overall to whoever's in first game. I mean... How are how are we still number two? But I'm not complaining. I mean, it gives us more wiggle room. But uh, I definitely think uh, we were just a little bit uh, rated a little too high. I
0: also just put this out there for anybody that listens: I absolutely hate preseason polls. I think they're the dumbest thing in the world. I despise them. I don't think they do a good job. That's why the college football playoff system with their rankings that they don't release their first rankings so like the seventh week or whatnot I think is a blessing in disguise because you get the team right, let me see who's down there at the bottom like for instance um, Virginia Tech at twenty two if Virginia Tech starts out four or five and zero they'll still only be I guarantee at like ten meanwhile uh definitely. but meanwhile if you get for instance if Michigan is a, Michigan's at 9 I forget what they're, oh, they're Florida never mind if Wisconsin Wisconsin's at 10 and Wisconsin starts 5-0 and 0, Wisconsin would be a top 5 team because a couple teams in front of will just lose and Wisconsin could play the school of the blind and deaf all the directional Michigans and Minnesota and people would be saying and they'd be a top 5 team
1: yep I mean it's one of those things where I think they just put that bowl out, that way ESPN can go, out, oh, hey, we got number 10 versus number 15 this week. When in reality, it's not going to be that big of a close game. Yeah, and that's happened in previous years. going off the uh, smaller team. And then, oh, wow, it's a big shot. Not really. Well, it's like last year, if you remember
0: last year. Florida State and Ole Miss played in the first week, and they were, it was a, like one of the only top 25 matchups. And Ole Miss went up big then Florida State and came back and won. I and mean,
1: Ole Miss, like, had an awful year last year. and Somehow, uh, didn't they end up in the top 25 still? Yeah, Ole Miss was in the top 25 before uh, way too long at one point. And then... Why? The, because the darling SEC, the greatest conference to ever be around, that they play in that conference. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The greatest place that's ever been. Um, and then there's
0: the Texas... A few years ago. That was us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then you remember the Texas-Notre Dame game last year. You know, it was really exciting. And Notre Dame was highly ranked, And
1: Texas is like, Texas is back. Yep. And then Notre Dame's game lost their games. just the first And then... Texas, went on to fire the coach at the end of the year. Brian Kelly and doesn't get along with Sean Kaiser at the end of the year. Notre Dame looks subpar all year. I mean, it's one of those things where ranking system can just be what it is for the beginning of the year. Dumb.
0: So I'm actually looking at the poll right now, and so one of the interesting things out of this, so Clemson's ranked fifth. But Clemson has actually seven first place votes, which is more than the second most after Alabama. And that's really surprising to me considering they lost Deshaun Watson and everybody else, it felt like.
1: Well, it's Clemson, so you know. And it, it, they do recruit well. Like they recruit well and you can throw that's what happened, you throw what, fifty five million dollars in your practice practice facility? Kids want to get want to go there to go play butt butt before practice, or go slide down the slide before practice.
0: And I, I mean, fully believe like that Clemson will probably be good again this year. Like, like, I have no doubt in my mind. But if I remember right, they lost to Sean Watson, they lost their running back, and they lost their number one wide receiver. And they lost the
1: heart and soul of their
0: defense and bull work. So when you lose that many guys. I'm just confused as how there were seven coaches that said, "You know what? Clemson is the best team this year
1: over Alabama." They watched the national championship game, forgot Sean Watson wasn't on the team this year, and go, "Hey, that team beat Alabama last year, so they'll do it again this year." Because if I was a coach, I would vote Alabama
0: number one too. Dude, there's oh,
1: just definitely. That team is loaded
0: and stacked, and they had a freshman quarterback last year who took them to the national championship game. And now that freshman's a sophomore, and they have all these weapons around them. And it's...
1: They, just re- they just reload every year. I mean, Nick Saban does one hell of a job. But I sometimes I think people overrate them. Like, they are untouchable, and I mean... That's the type of way for them to uh, get too high on the hog and end up on a big downfall. I agree, I agree. So, last thing uh, I want to talk about today,
0: um, talk about some of the freshmen actually. Out of all the freshmen that we brought in this past year, I want to give your thoughts of who you expect to see on the field. And by that, I mean who do you expect to see make an impact? And we already talked about J.K. Dobbins, so we don't need to talk about J.K. Dobbins. But other than that, who do you really expect to see out on the field this year?
1: Uh, like I said earlier, Chase Young's one of them. I fully expect him to be, if not starting in a rotation and getting a ton of playing time, he's one of them. Uh, the one uh, kid we got from California this past year. Wyatt Davis, a guard. Wyatt Davis, Wyatt Davis. I think he may. Uh, once he gets this whole college game figured out, he may be one hell of a offensive lineman for of Oh, I, I agree. And you know, Chase Young. while I don't think he'll start because I don't think he'll beat out
0: Tyquan Lewis or Sam Hubbard at any point this year. You know, I fully expect to see him in the rotation. If you see the pictures of him, he looks like a man among boys.
1: Exactly. He already so looks like he's Lewis coming off the edge, and he just looked like wow. It's almost like he from the NFL right now. He's listed at six
0: foot five, two hundred and fifty-one pounds. That is huge
1: for a uh, what eighteen-year-old freshman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, is that is huge. A- um, and what's scary is he can run. He can. He's actually an ant. Yeah, he's not just, you know, a big defensive end who's
0: strong, but, you know, he's fast. I mean, he, he's smart at defensive end. So I really expect for him to get in there and play some minutes and, you know, everybody's working on fresh legs constantly at defensive end. Yep. Yeah, after him, um, you know, some of the cornerbacks we brought in, you know, Jeffrey Akuda out of Texas and Sean Wade out of Florida. Because we lost so much of defensive back, I would not be surprised to see them play, you know, in passing situations. You know, when we go a nickel or dime situation, I wouldn't be surprised yep. to see uh, one of those guys in there. Just uh,
1: because they were high rated, they are five-star recruits. So Exactly, and we lost our starting quarterbacks and our starting safety in Hooker, Lattimore, and Conley. you got to replace them somehow and what we'll better way than have a uh, freshman come in and take their place. Although the one, I won't call him a freshman because he was a JUCO. You know, Kendall
0: Sheffield is going to play this year. Oh, definitely. I've heard nothing but rave reviews about that kid so far. He's fighting for that other cornerback spot and, you know, he was a five-star recruit out of high school, went to Alabama, didn't get the playing time and went into left. And, Lucky for us, he came to Ohio State.
1: No, yeah. I mean, kind of a nice little uh, present, if you will. I, I, it's definitely a nice I present from
0: our, in our Alabama our, right now, but definitely a nice present good. from Nick Saban.
1: Yep. So, thank okay, you, Nick Saban, if you ever listening to this. Is that you get so much talent there that a lot of that talent can't play? only got 22 spots on the field on offense and defense. I mean, that could hurt them, Is how many talented players they bring in. Exactly. You know, I don't know what
0: Alabama's recruiting classes look like, but for instance, if when he enrolled and they had a strong quarterback class in front of him, there's a, it's probably a fair reason why he couldn't get on the field. But exactly. that's also something he should have considered in his recruiting class. But, again, I don't know Al Brown's recruiting situation, who was on their team, and the reason he didn't come on the field very much. So, but, hey, thank you, Nick Saban. If you haven't listened to this, we appreciate it to be good. Um The one uh, name that also popped out that, I guess, Urban said in a press conference was Haskell Garrett, um, the defensive tackle from the same high school uh, as Tate, uh, Tate Martell. He was, looking, oh, yeah. looking at, I'm looking at 24-7, he was ranked the 68th best player and the 6th best defensive tackle. That's funny, because at 68, he was like the 10th best player coming in. For, my, exactly. for, for some teams, he would be the crown jewel. For us, he's like a forgotten
1: chip, because he was so far down the list. I mean, when you bring in stacked recruiting classes year after year, it's what happens. You damn good players go unnoticed. And that's what's that's what a lot of the some of these guys are when you
0: look down here. Like for instance, you know there's a guy like at 68, eight, sixty-eight you're one of the top seventy players in the country. You're top six at your own position, and sometimes you will forget that you even came in. Exactly. But right. Erin said that he'll play this year, so especially with the suspension we were talking about earlier, you know, that would be some nice depth to have like their defensive tackle. You know, we could rotate 10-12 guys on the defensive line and not even lose anything. Nope. Which is kind of
1: scary if you think about it. And a fresh leg and all of those fresh legs are extremely good at But it's incredibly
0: important because when you look at who we're going to lose this year you know we're going to lose three defensive ends without a question. Sam Hubbard isn't a senior, but he's gonna go pro. That's kind of just determined. Yeah. And then uh, Holmes and Lewis are both seniors, and then Tracy Spenkel and Michael Hill are both seniors. Draymond Jones they're saying can be first round picks. So right there that's six defensive linemen that we'd lose off the bat. So you don't want to have it where you only have, you know, seniors or guys that are gonna go pro playing next year because then you don't have anybody gain
1: experience. Exactly. So them now while you can, that way they get the experience. And next year it won't be culture shock when they're now thrust into a starting position. Exactly, exactly. Even Haskell Gate is
0: playing against Army and UNLV and you know, Rutgers when we're up twenty, you know, by the end of the year we'll have another game experience where when we get getting those games against, you know, on the road against Iowa, home against Penn State, you know, those November games against like Michigan State, like he'll be ready by then. Exactly.
1: And he can be a contributor to the game instead of just being out there. He can contribute. Exactly, exactly, and that's what we see
0: Evan do some of these times. I right know that he'll it, just get them on the field, get them get have the, get their jitters out of it, and then by the time a real situation comes around, they're ready.
1: Yep, I mean that's what it is. Next man up. So. Uh, I don't have anything else I'd like to talk about tonight. Do you have
0: anything that you'd like to add? No, not really. So, uh, we want to try to do this. We're going to try to keep this you know, on a weekly basis. Um, right now, it's Monday night, so we'll probably keep planning with this until things change. Um, but you can follow us on Twitter, at The Urban Renewal. Um, and we have a website that I'll post on our Twitter page as well. So, feel free to get in contact with us other than that.